0: You are listening to Soul Searching, your weekly program where you and I discuss all the spiritual matters that matter. I'm Tom Budge. In the first part of today's show, we shall be taking a close look at one's intrinsic value, who you are and what you are worth. Then in the second half of the show, we shall be doing a little soul searching of our own when it comes to protesting over Pastor Steve Anderson's visit to South Africa later this month. When we speak of wealth, we generally refer to our material wealth, how much money you have in your bank account, what kind of salary you earn, and the type of car you drive. But this is only one aspect of your affluence. Your capital value is found in many different ways, some of it hidden in amazingly unexpected places. Not everything has just one value. Take from your wallet or purse a banknote and place it somewhere where you can see it while you listen to this part of our show. Ask yourself, what is this note's value? I bet that your immediate answer is to say that its value is what's printed on the note itself. If you took out a 100 Rand note, you would say its value is a 100 Rand, and you'd be correct. But your note also has another value which is not immediately recognized, but obvious when you know about it. This value is only a fraction of a cent, representing the cost of the piece of paper and the ink used to print the note itself. World economic systems care nothing about the note's intrinsic value, but only about its nominal value. Your financial wealth is calculated not in terms of the value of the bundle of paper that you have stuffed into your wallet or purse, but rather in terms of its collective nominal value. Similar principles apply when it comes to determining your personal worth. There are multiple ways to define your value. Let's take a look at this in a little bit more detail. You may have material value. If you have ever applied for a bank loan, you would have been asked to provide a balance sheet. This is a statement of your assets and liabilities. Under the assets column, you would have listed everything that you own or receive. Things like your salary, interest on investments, movable and immovable property, and other things like clothing, tools, books, DVDs, and other possessions that you have. In the Liability column, you would have listed all your financial obligations. These would include the tax you pay, money you owe to creditors, repayments on your bank loans and mortgages, and an estimate of your cost of living expenses. By subtracting your liabilities from your assets, you will obtain an indication of your financial wealth. If you owe more than you earn, you might find yourself bankrupt. But is this the only way to determine your value? You have other possessions that you own which don't come with a price tag, like your body, for instance. Would you say that your body is an asset or a liability? Having a really sexy, fit body that is well-groomed and styled may be an asset because through its attractiveness you certainly will get a lot of attention, admiration, and maybe even some interesting offers of sex. But good bodies don't run cheaply. Let's take an imaginary walk down to the body shop. This is not the shop that sells soaps and cosmetics, but is instead a fictitious shop that sells bodies. Here they sell bodies of all shapes and sizes, male and female ones, young and old ones too. There are bodies from all nationalities for sale here, and they all hang like empty wetsuits on the rack. Let's walk along the rows and select the most attractive body you can find in the shop. It probably looks a little bit like the body of your favorite Hollywood movie star. It's perfectly shaped and is amazing to look at, naked or dressed. Pop across to the change room over there and kick off your own body so that you could try this one on. Notice how it feels when you climb into it. It fits tightly and weighs very little. All its bits are in great proportion, but it requires a lot of fussing. It needs an awful lot of grooming. It needs to be taken to the gym regularly, and you will have to be very, very careful of what you feed it. Notice its price tag. It might cost you a little bit more than you can afford in maintenance bills. Take this body off and give it over to me through the top of the cubicle door over there and I shall fetch you the cheapest body I can find here in the shop. Here it is. It won't fit over the top of the cubicle door because it's too big, so I'll have to slide it in along the floor. Step into it and you'll quickly notice how heavy it hangs on you. You can barely cope under its weight and you can't even place your legs together or your hands at your sides because there's just too much padding everywhere. It's very cheap, however. When you wear this body, you can eat anything you like, and you're free to spend the entire day lying around on the sofa watching TV. Hmm. Very expensive bodies, like very expensive cars, take a lot of resources to keep them going. However, cheap bodies, like cheap cars, Putter along at very little cost, but are also so unreliable that you can't really put your faith in them when you need them. Step out of this oversized body and put on your own body again. Notice how snugly it fits like a well worn slipper. It might need a little bit of attention here and there, but it is your home and it feels just right. Good health and stamina are amazingly valuable assets that add a lot. To your intrinsic value. But whether we talk about money in the bank, valuable possessions that you own, or even having a great body, we are still talking about the value of your tangible things. Have you ever considered that a lot of your value is found in the abstract aspects of who you are? These are not things you can put in a bottle, but they do contribute enormously to who you are as a person. These are attributes like your beliefs, your cultural values, your ideas and, of course, your creativity. They are extremely valuable in a strategic way because they give you skill, personality and character, which help you to tactically navigate your way through a very complex world. Financial, material and physical assets come and go. Health and beauty fade the older we get and your earning capacity dwindles, leaving you reliant on the reserves you build up for your retirement. But your abstract assets don't fade as fast. To paraphrase what Jesus said, and you'll get to know me as an advocate of all spiritual philosophies, and not just Christian ones, he said that you should store up treasures not on earth where moth and rust can find them, but instead in heaven where neither moth nor rust can reach. This is a neat way of saying that you should revise your concept of your personal wealth. Jesus, as one of the great master teachers, taught us that it is wiser to put more value on the things we have that are not likely to decay. You might know somebody who through bad choice or bad luck lost everything, but he was able to bounce back because he placed more value on his creativity and had entrepreneurial skills that helped him make up the loss. Asset values like strategic thinking, tenacity and bravery, self-esteem, courageousness, confidence, and your deep sense of spirituality are hugely important values that you can use effectively throughout your entire life. With this valuable capital, you will be able to manage life regardless of your state of health and financial wealth. But I'd like to close this segment by leaving you with a little twist to the tale. There are those that say that when you are dead, you are dead. Is this true? Science is not able to prove this one way or another. There are some anecdotal stories of people who say they have returned from death's door. They seem quite convinced that there is much more to death than just turning the lights off and closing the doors. Many religious texts also speak of the afterlife. Fundamental to the beliefs of many mainstream religions is the idea of reincarnation. These beliefs presuppose that there is a part of us that was never born and which will never die. This spiritual essence comes and goes in repeated incarnations, each giving us a chance to learn a bit more about who we are. If this is so, it completely changes perspectives regarding our value. This immortal part of who you are is safe in the knowledge that it cannot cease to be, and therefore it is much, much more valuable than anything else you own. It is a part of you that is so valuable that it would be impossible to put a price tag on it. All other values pale into insignificance when compared to it. So when the master teacher said that we should store up treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust can reach. Perhaps he was referring to this amazingly wonderful spiritual aspect of who you are. It would be so nice to have others recognize this amazing aspect of you too. Hello there, spiritual being. Tell me what it's like to have those experiences of yours in that body with all those material things around you. And I can tell you what it is like having my experiences. They're not always easy. Sometimes I get lost in them. But every now and then I raise my awareness and I remember who I truly am. The traditional greeting from one person who recognizes his or her greatest intrinsic value and who recognizes that same value in others will greet the other person by saying Namaste. This greeting, when translated from Sanskrit, means I recognize in you the divine light that I see in myself. We now turn our attention to Pastor Steve Anderson of the Faithful World Baptist Church in America. He is very soon to set foot here in South Africa to further his evangelical cause. He is vociferously anti-gay and preaches that gay people should be executed in accordance with his interpretation of biblical law. A petition of over 50,000 signatures seeks ways to thwart Anderson's effort to denigrate gay people in this country. Although the South African government is aware of Anderson's hate speech, they appear lukewarm in in preventing his visit. Anderson's itinerary was leaked, and since then many companies have refused to have him preach on their premises. Mamba Online lists some of these companies, which include the Ocean Basket in Kempton Park, the Holiday Inn at O.R. Tambo Airport, the Burger Republic and the Sugar Cube Cafe, both in Boxburg. There is also a plan to meet Anderson at the airport on Saturday morning 17th of September in a loud but non-violent protest against his hate speech by blowing vuvuzelas as he arrives. From the comments I have read on social media about Anderson's visit, I get a sense of growing anger towards him and his entourage. But we should remember that fighting for peace is nothing more than an awful oxymoron. For how can one attain peace when one embarks upon a war to obtain it? The South African constitution is this country's proud heritage that guarantees tolerance towards and protection of diverse minorities. It would be a big mistake for the LGBTI community to mimic Anderson's hatred by engaging in reciprocated acts of hatred towards him. Peace is best attained through peaceful protest. As misguided as we know Anderson's view to be, we should still honour that he is entitled to his opinion, provided that it in no way breaches our constitutional rights. The community is at liberty to stand up for its rights, just as it does at all the gay pride festivals throughout the world. Remember that nobody has the means to take away your personal power without your permission. This is such an important statement, and I have to say it again. Nobody has the means to take away your personal power. People may threaten you, slander you, and even bully you. But your power will remain intact until you embrace fear, revenge, or any other act of vengeance towards them. I learned of this firsthand when, as a youth of 19, I defied the apartheid government as a conscientious objector. As long as I steadfastly held on to my principles and beliefs, they, the old South African army, were powerless. But there is another story that illustrates this too. It is a story of a Chinese general who was sent to lead a platoon of soldiers into Tibet. The general was an arrogant and mighty man and enjoyed wielding his power wherever he went. As he marched the soldiers across Tibet, he set villages alight. He had the soldiers rape the women and abuse their children. And he dealt with the Buddhist monks in the most atrocious way. All the monks fled into the hills except for one. Upon hearing about the solitary monk, the general commanded his adjutant to assemble the troops before dawn so that he could personally lead the soldiers up the hill to where the temple was and where the monk was in residence. The soldiers surrounded the temple and the general walked up to the monk who was sweeping the fallen leaves in the courtyard, as he had done every morning. Spitting saliva and jabbing his finger against the monk's chest, this vexed general barked, Do you know who I am? Because in an instant I could draw my sword and plunge it into your belly. But the monk was a man of faith who firmly believed in reincarnation. He just looked at the furious general through peaceful and tranquil eyes. The monk stopped sweeping for a moment and replied, But you don't know who I am, because, in a moment, I would allow you to draw your sword and to plunge it into my belly. What power does an arrogant Chinese general have over a gentle monk not afraid of death? Stripped of power, the general slowly sank to his knees and after a while, looking up at the serene monk, said, Forgive me, for it is only now that I realise my arrogance. And the monk, looking down at the kneeling general, replied, I cannot forgive you. Why not? asked the general, pleading. Why can you not forgive me? And the monk replied, I cannot forgive you because I never took offense. I have nothing to forgive. Nobody can take away your power unless you offer them your power. Not even Pastor Steve Anderson, who believes that he is sanctioned by God to kill the gays. Retaliating to Steve Anderson in the manner that he uses to accuse you simply strips you of the dignity that you have which is enshrined in our constitution. Protest by all means by showing Steve Anderson and the world that we are proud of our constitution and of who you are. Going to OR Tambo Airport in Numbers on the 17th of September to blow your vuvuzelles in protest is of no less importance to you than attending gay pride. Meeting pastor Steve Anderson at the airport is actually just another gay pride. If the LGBTI community had the time and resources, its members should drive in permanent convoy with Steve Anderson in an ostentatiously over-the-top float to fearlessly flaunt their pride in themselves. I have often wondered why gay pride needs to be such a flamboyant affair. Having grown up in a very, very conservative household, I always found myself cringing a little at the in-your-face style of gay pride. Float after float of half-naked men, men regaled in dresses, high heels and feather boas, red-lipped and rouge-cheeked drag queens parading down the high street. It is certainly a parade that cannot be overlooked. People line the pavements, some in awe of the pageantry and the almost carnival atmosphere. Others stand there aghast, their faces a reflection of disbelief and incredulity. Then there are often those anti-gay processions that trundle along behind the main pageant, like a tail pinned on the donkey. The 1950s and 1960s were an extremely repressive time for LGBTI people in America, where few basic civil rights and protections were afforded them. Queer folk were thought of as mentally ill people, and many of them carried huge social stigma and feelings of personal guilt and shame at being gay. In 1968, Frank Kameny came up with the slogan Gay is Good to counter what was happening in America at the time. In the next year, In the early morning of Saturday, the 28th of June, 1969, LGBTI persons rioted following a police raid on the Stonewall Inn, a gay bar at 43 Christopher Street in New York City. This became an iconic watershed moment in modern LGBTI rights movements, and it gave impetus to organising gay pride marches on a much larger scale. In the beginning, Frank Kameny tried to convince heterosexuals that gay people were no different than they were. He once organized a march outside the White House with the objective to look as though they could have worked for the United States government. But slowly a shift occurred in gay liberation movements. It moved away from liberation and freedom to a more celebratory philosophy, namely one of pride. Pride became a hugely effective antidote to the shame imposed on LGBTI people. It is therefore important when one deals with someone like Steve Anderson not to lose one's way. Sexual bigotry of the past is not easily forgotten and one's heckles soon rise when confronted by the hatred that Anderson propagates in the name of God but it would do no good to have a vitriolic backlash to steve anderson's views on the back of anderson's hatred lgbti people should go out of their way to show how proud they are as lawfully fully accepted citizens of south africa to quote a part of the bible he who lives by the sword dies by the sword give steve anderson enough rope And eventually he will metaphorically hang himself. I welcome your thoughts and suggestions about our show. You can always contact me by writing to this email address, studio at gaysaradio.co.za. You can also use any of the station's social media platforms, which can be found under the hashtag gaysaradio. Or via the station's website address, gaysaradio.co.za. The show is broadcast every Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. and is also available as a podcast. Thank you so much for listening. This is Soul Searching, your weekly program where you and I discuss all the spiritual matters that matter. I am Tom Budge. Join me again next week. Goodbye.